It's the Meg John and Justin podcast. Yay! Woo! Uh, just had Barney the cat come and pay me a visit during that, so there's an extra frisson there for me. A little frisson. Yeah. Yeah. She just kind of nerdled her way around the back of my calf. Oh, she likes to do that. She likes a nerdle. Was that consensual for you? Uh, I didn't dislike it, but yeah. is that the same thing? Mm. Right? Right. Real talk. Real talk, yeah. Uh, but that's not what we're talking about today. <laughs> no, we're, we're having a moan. It's going to be we're awesome. Gonna we're going to like totally moan about things that we so, feel moany about. With the last two podcasts, yes, uh, we've been talking about uh, consent a lot, and mm-hmm. yeah, we talk about consent a lot generally. We do. And we just did, like right this just minute, now. like just yeah. a second, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a huge amount about. Um, on the face of it, what should be about consent in the media at the moment mm-hmm. after the Harvey Weinstein allegations and everything, it keeps coming out, mm-hmm. um, and um, how it's mostly cis white men ruining everything, sadly. But yeah, there's been a lot about consent yeah. coming out, and you and so people are talking about consent a lot, and um, and we've got this book MJ I don't, uh, dear listener mm-hmm. MJ I don't know whether people might have heard of it because book I don't know, we hardly ever talk we about it we hardly ever mention it we do have a book out yes. called enjoy, enjoy sex, sex how when and, and if, if, if you, you want, want to, to isn't it? yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, um, I mean, we're quiet about it, but it is there. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, and as we say, that's like all about consent. And we mm. just to remind you, dear listener, that we started writing this last year mm-hmm. after MJ um, worked on a project, which was like a, you've written like an academic book, which is coming out in January. It's so not coming out in January. Oh, we thought it? it was. It's coming out in spring. But yes, <laughs> we're launching it in January for spring. Before it comes uh, out. Anyway, yes. I love, it, acad- like, I love academic, right? academic, uh, academic books. Academic books, academic yeah. Books. They have long, long life histories. But yeah, we, we wrote this book, me and Ros Gill and Laura Harvey, all about sex advice. And that's the one I did all that analysis of sex advice books and found 60, that they have how many? 64. Five, and like consent was just barely mentioned. Apart, you said it was like zero point zero five. Yeah, it was like point something. Yeah, mention mention of consent, or that that was the number of of pages that related to consent. Right. Um, The kink books were better, obviously, but yeah, Yeah. the mainstream kind of sex advice just doesn't talk about consent at all. Even though it's like arguably the most, or at least equal, most important thing. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of sex, exactly, and like you say, like the big story at the moment, really, how just how non consensual so many folks have been, yeah, and you know how how it's assumed that that is kind of normal, you know, the the idea that you know even when folks are really non consensual in their behaviours, people feel unable to say anything about it because they know that nobody else will yeah. you know see it as a big deal or believe them, you know, so yeah. yeah. So we've written this book, which is uh, a lot of it is about consent. And, yeah, it's know, threaded through it. Like that was the point, not to have just even one chapter on it, but to have you know, the, it's the starting point of good sex. It, you yeah. can't have good sex really without consent. So. No, and that's mm. about self consent and mm-hmm. tuning into ourselves mm-hmm. and working out what it is that we might want, mm. opening up ways to allow for that in different kinds of yeah. uh, in different ways with ourselves and with other people. Mm. Talking about that and then making sure that. We're continually talking about it as an act of consent. That's so right. Can, there's constant communication about it. So it threads mm. all the way through all the book. And so it's cons- consent, mm. consent, consent. Yeah. And In a lively and fun way. Not oh, like, yeah. 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 And helpful. Mm. And quite sexy as well. I think there's lots, yeah. of, lots of sex in it. Exactly. It's like, you know, got like 
a whole section about fucking and what mm. that's like and people describing different yeah. aspects of fucking. It's like, yes, cool. You know, it we is. talk about this. We talk, you know. Yeah. It's anyway, but no one's buying it. Well, it's got a great cover. I mean, what can I say? It's yeah. an awesome book, and it's nice, nice and little. It's not going to take you long to read. But anyway, yeah, we we were really bummed out when we was while I was away. We got the kind of statement of. Like yeah. how well it had done, and we we basically still owe the publishers money. Like that's, like that's like it's not even sold enough to you know with books the way it works is you get this advance, and then as they sell the books that kind of pays off the advance that they've already paid you, yeah. which is pretty small as well. And you know then eventually you start to earn a bit of money per book. But yeah, yeah we've not even got anywhere near that point of earning any money no, per no, book. It's not a big advance. Yeah, like no, and you know we're not like you know I guess we want to have this this conversation like consensually with the people who like our stuff it's not about us trying to guilt trip you know people no, into exactly, like yeah. I mean most of the people who are listening probably are people who like the book so you know we don't want to be like I, I don't you know I just like remember um, a lecturer when I was at uni who would like you'd come to the lecture and there'd only be a small number of people in there because she was yeah. a really poor lecturer and then she'd spend the first 15 minutes like berating you for all the people who hadn't come and yeah. you'd be like uh, but we're the ones who came so like I don't want to be doing <laughs> No, exactly. That with this, we're know. not moaning at you. Yeah. We're moaning with you. With you, yeah. Like, Join us in our you know, moan. If, yeah. if you're fans of the podcast and fans of our book, then um, you'll you'll like hopefully be nodding along. But we kind of want to. We, there are two things we want to do with this podcast. Yeah. First of all, question why it is that people might not be interested in a book which is entirely about consent or mm-hmm. where consent is threaded all the way through it. Yep. Um, for us to have a bit of a passive aggressive moan. Okay, three things. Yes. Then, <laughs> Nobody expects the Spanish. Uh, maybe the four things. The third <laughs> thing is for us, we're going to talk about the process yes. and mine and MJ's relationship during this. And like, uh, we had to have some uh, real chats about this, which was really good and important. Mm. Um, fourthly, I guess we're going to, like, there's an, we're going to kind of, there's going to be an ask for you at the end about how you can help us promote yeah. our stuff but also other good stuff yes. and why that's important yeah why promoting the things that are out there that are really good is important yeah. because we wanted to do something that was really mainstream mm. like the idea with our book is that it's not a kind it's not it's not an academic book yeah absolutely not it's not it's an inclusive book but it's not just for lgbtq folk yeah or disabled folk or some of the marginalized group it's for everybody it's meant to be for everybody Mm -hmm. and that's like our entire interest in writing it Mm -hmm. and speaking as somebody who is a a straight white cis guy i'm an able guy Mm. uh, i'm wanting to write it for for blokes you know Mm. in my situation and i want it to be a really useful book for them too as well as Mm -hmm. anyone who isn't that yeah um, so yeah, we'll talk about that at the end about how we can um, we can we still have to like challenge the mainstream. But yeah, we wanted to write as mainstream sex advice books and it's yeah. in shops, and um, it's just not uh, it's just not being bought very much at the moment. Mm. And so I guess one of the things that we're wondering is why that might be, and mm. maybe we were thinking that um, you know it's very difficult to. I mean, certainly when I talk to people about sex often what they when I say that I'm a sex and relationships educator they say yeah. oh what do you go into schools and stuff and I'm yeah. like well 
Uh, not very much, no. <laughs> uh, you know, schools don't really want sex education yet at, at, at the moment. But so they kind of assume that it's about other people. Yes. And when I say to them, no, I also work with adults who've got this sex advice book out and run workshops with adults and offer coaching, they, there's a look of terror often in their yeah. eyes that, you know, all kind of, I don't need that kind of well, thing. Well, that's really interesting because one of the things we found about consent in the project, the academic project we did, was that, you know, if you look at sex advice for young people, consent's all over it. Yeah, it's the it's the minute people turn like sixteen or eighteen or whatever. Yeah. There's this assumption that suddenly they don't need to talk or think about consent. Yeah. It like it's like it disappears overnight. Yeah, and yeah, so it seems like culturally we have this sense that something you know that that adults don't really need to they don't really need advice about sex in a way there is a lot of sex advice but it is a lot of kind of glossy lots of pictures of people doing positions it's yeah. almost like the only way you can sell it is by offering people some kind of advanced skills or something yeah you and know it's kind of aspirational as well exactly you know and beauty lots of beautiful people kind yeah. of thing but you can't really say hey sex is really hard isn't it mm. like isn't it really tough and you know it's really hard to do it consensually yeah and like that 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 kind of thing it's almost like shameful to acknowledge and somehow it's seen as part of develop development rather than part of adulthood yeah like to to think about that yeah mm. that you're meant to learn about sex in your formative sexual years yeah you should be then, there by the time you by the time you right. have sex really you should be there almost yeah. like which is like really about face kind of thinking yeah. yeah so i think it's it's challenging learning more about mm. sex but it's also i think a challenge for people to think about hey is what we're doing at the moment consensual and are the ways to make it more well uh, this is it this is it i feel like you you hit the nail on the head when you came up with this one when we were talking about it is that i think culturally at the moment one of the hardest things we're asking people to do or like you know the issues that are coming up are asking people to do is to look at their non-consensual parts you yeah. know that it's that it's all of us that we're yeah. all in this non-consensual Absolutely. culture and therefore we all do non-consensual and oppressive and abusive things yeah. um i think laverne cox has an amazing quote about this which is about you know we have to look at our inner oppressor yeah. as well as the outer mm. you know as well as people oppressing us we need to look at our potential to oppress others okay. um but yeah i guess our book does invite people to to look at you know that you don't have to look at consent and therefore what people are going to do is kind of think well what about what i've done in the past and realize probably some of that or a lot of it maybe have been non-consensual perhaps not to the point of being abusive in some of the ways we're hearing about with the me too but Mm. but you know maybe not far off or or certainly still not great yeah whether that's and whether that's kind of real recognizing that wow you have been treated in some very non-consensual ways and or you've treated others in some very non-consensual ways that's a really hard thing to to see yeah so you know that is one possible reason yeah. that the book is actually quite threatening yeah but you know again i think the answer we have to look at that stuff yeah like otherwise we're going to keep hurting people yeah you know not just in sex but in just our everyday lives when we treat people in those ways absolutely i think we we could be doing our consent workshops in workplaces you know yeah. that's yeah consent is not just it's not just about sex workplaces uh, are often very non-consensual and and wider relationships as well you know it comes back to the bell hook stuff that we've mentioned a few times about you know she's kind of saying you simply can't have a good relationship if it's non-consensual yeah but that actually most of our relationships are built on inequalities and yeah. treating people as things you know yeah. so it pervades everything really yeah, yeah. 
Mm. I mean, the, we, we've said uh, before, I think, in a podcast or, I don't know, a workshop or mm. to each other. I don't know. Yeah. We, maybe we've written it down somewhere or maybe we said it. Once, <laughs> I don't know. But uh, we often ask the question, you know, we, we think we look at a situation and we say, if this was sex, would it be okay? Yeah. And often it's a way, as a way of testing whether a non-sex situation is like okay or consensual mm. or ethical. Yeah. Um, so actually, we're, I mean, we can, as a, like culturally we're often really bad at consent when it comes to sex but we're often worse at mm. other non-sex stuff as well mm. so yep, yep. it's important to, ter- to interrogate but also um, and again just to reinforce this point but this is like consent is to do things consensually is more ethical and better and kinder <laughs> yeah. like, and hopefully that's something that we all want to do mm-hmm. um, but also it's just more enjoyable yes. it's just like you know, getting away from the idea that you, there's a certain sex that you should be having and tuning into the kind of sex that you may actually want to have mm. is all about fucking consent. Yes. And it's like, it's just like this, that, ah! Yeah. It's, so it irritates me. You're doing it the really, great irritated face and like hand gestures and it's just a shame this is like just audio because yeah, I really would like to paint a visual picture of you right now with your kind of hands on your head and just yeah. so frustrating. It's really frustrating. It's so frustrating because we and if you look if you've watched our consent video mm. um which uh, you should watch again, uh, our video about handshakes which is an idea we developed uh, that I've been using in schools and in training and that we mm. what we've delivered you've delivered at workshops oh yeah yeah Mm -hmm. um and every single time we deliver it it's different yeah it's important uh so we explore you know that there's a script around the sex that we should have and people follow that script some Mm. people like that script which is fine some people find that script doesn't really do it for them or completely excludes them because Mm. of the bodies they have and what they're capable of doing and some people follow the scripts and because one thing leads to another and all checks in with each other it can be non-consensual yes and so the script is good for some people when occasionally mm. now and again if coincidentally the other person enjoys that kind of sex but for most people it's not yes so moving away from the script and being more present with another person and mm. really figuring out what it is that you both might like to do together mm. is consensual it's more hot yeah it's just yeah it's better around and it's similar with you know consent in relationships again that's what yeah. bell hooks and actually simone de beauvoir back in the day were arguing was like actually it's you know if relationships you know and they're talking about relationships between men and women are based in these kind of inequalities and treating people as objects then it's shit for everybody you know no nobody gets a good deal out of that because they don't get any kind of companion they get somebody who's constantly nagging at them or pushing them or you know so it doesn't make for a good relationship it doesn't make for good sex it doesn't make for good relationships it doesn't make for good workplaces and it doesn't certainly doesn't make for a good culture because we're in it at the moment and it's you know like you could pick any other news story and non consent is threaded through it just as much I think yeah exactly like the stuff about trans people in the media at the moment and you know who gets to have a say over what people do with their own body is yeah. all about consent On a co- mm. I've done a couple of training courses recently about consent but mm. um, I asked the participants to um, to uh, do an activity where I asked them to list all the things that make them feel good about themselves at the mm. moment and all the things that make them feel bad about themselves and I asked them to do that in terms of um, in uh in the I think an idea I've definitely stolen from you like what in society makes them feel good or bad about themselves Mm. what in their workplaces or um, 
uh, communities, the community yeah. makes them feel good or bad about themselves. What is it from people around them that makes them feel good or bad yeah. about themselves? And what is it like intrapsychically that, yeah. you know, that as an individual makes them feel good mm. or bad about themselves? And so much of those things, mm. so much of the things that made them feel good or bad about themselves was to do with consent. Mm-hmm. Like so much of it. Yeah. Like feeling that they had to do a particular kind of thing yeah. at work or they had to, like and a, a concrete example of that is um, doing longer hours yeah. or um, uh, having to do a thing outside of their job description mm. or having to go in when they're feeling ill. Right. Um, yeah. And then in, community-wise, I guess people who feel like, oh, well, I've got to go to church on Sunday even though it's not really what I believe or yeah. I have to go home for Christmas because that's what the family always mm-hmm. does, you know, this kind of thing. Real talk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and in the what individuals around us can do, it's like mm. pressuring us to go out if we don't really want to, mm-hmm. not really hearing that... I'm washing my hair, or I'm a bit tired, or I'm a bit skinned. Or like, around, or like around illness, like which is another topic we're going to cover on the podcast yeah. really soon. But like people who are like, well, you know, you need to. Fresh, I had this the other week. You know, I, I, I was thinking I might have to drop out of something, and I really wanted the people to say, you know, that will be totally fine. Yeah. But the, what actually came back was a bit of kind of, you know, yeah. we really need you there. Yeah. Not consensual. No, you know. Yeah. People are out. Yeah. Anyway, so that's right. the thing. So it's not just about mm. sex. Yeah. Um, but um, lack of consent can uh, really affect our well-being just mm. generally, and it's a super important topic. And if you're writing a sex advice book mm. nowadays and you're not talking about it, it's a crap sex advice book. I, exactly. And the problem is, is that and another moan about the book. I mm. had a look at some of the really, like the what the the kinds of sales we could be having. Mm. You know, the popular sex advice books that don't really talk about consent. Yeah. And they are selling by the shed load these books. <sighs> So they're like yeah. just and getting loads of reviews and people saying it's you know God. really great and like if people have found them useful like fine but I don't think no I just I don't, don't I don't get it either, you know uh, but again it's like what we're asking people to do is much more potentially threatening because they have to look at their own non-consensual sides um, and also you know really question the norms the, the script you were talking about yeah. you know and actually you know instead of like perpetuating that script and giving people this kind of mythology that they could learn how to do that script better yes which is what most sex advice is about like exactly. you know you could do oral sex better and you could do yeah. piv better it's much more like we're saying hey get rid of that script you know and then find your own script which may look like that script or it may look really different yeah you know I mean, that's, that's thing, challenging we, we could have done that like yeah. we could have written that sex advice but telling the reader what to do and, like you know, here's how, how to all, do a brilliant blowjob yeah, yeah how all the bit you know <laughs> no. I, we know what you know mm. uh, I could tell them about the you know the metus and the the coronal <laughs> ridge and the you know the, mm. the oh baby talk to me about the coronal ridge the corpus cavernosum <laughs> and you know I can go, we can go through all of that and we can yeah. make it look kind of scientific and yeah. uh, you know say you know everybody likes their nipples to be stimulated like this yeah but we're not it would have been that. bullshit because it's bullshit yeah. and also because <laughs> different bodies work at different times with different people that's Everyone, why it's bullshit that's why it's yeah. bullshit and also we'd be telling you to do a non-consensual thing which is also non-consensual telling you to do it yeah. to another person mm. not with another person precisely um, so it's endlessly frustrating that we put out this thing which is you know really does have something very different which we feel sh- we really believe is a way better way to approach 
sex yeah. and basically everything yeah. and that you know it isn't being picked up in the same way these these other books are but i think we need to move on to talk about the other piece that we really wanted to talk about which is like how we in our relationship yeah. manage this yeah because to me that's been gold actually it's been something i've learned a lot from and also mm. you know may you know whilst this may seem very specific to us i think actually hopefully the listeners can get something from it about how you might manage processes in a relationship where you have different feelings about something or yeah. something comes up that's a cause of tension so yeah i mean i'd love to hear what that's been like for you and then say a bit about what it's been like for me <laughs> so um mm. i uh, so i'm freelance so i have like a perpetual anxiety about earning money from from my work and i earn most of my money from um, mm. my sex education with young people stuff and mostly jurex <laughs> thanks jurex mm. um and uh, but i was hoping that the book would um provide an income mm-hmm. that you know there'd be like a certain amount of money but also I wanted it to be like we were saying I really wanted it to be even if even if we left money aside I wanted a lot of people to read it because we've written a mainstream sex advice book and mm-hmm. if, a lot of, if not a lot of people are reading it it's not mainstream so yeah good point um, and I also kind of was frustrated because I kind of had the feeling that our book was really popular with other sex educators and sex therapists and people in our kind of bubble yeah um and that so and then there's a lot of intellectual property that's out there that i'm getting paid 30 pence for whenever it's sold Mm -hmm. so i was having like real uh i had like a i was having like a real kind of moment of crisis when i also kind of realized that that your first six months of the book that's it you know that's like the you know your peak period is the mm. first six months and then mm. so um i emailed mj and uh, said oh, i'm really struggling with this and it's like uh um yeah said all of those things mm. and you know i really have to question like whether we can carry on working together mm. uh uh love you very much we're you know you're one of my close closest people uh, i still want to retain that but the you know this is really depressing and stuff yeah um and i was having like real like real like crisis with it and even like reliving it now it's kind of difficult but um yeah. it was so i had that was on a friday and uh, MJ got back to me uh, with should a brilliant I, Should email. I say? Should I yeah. say what happened? Oh yeah, for me? how are you feeling about that? Well, I got that email, and I, like there was an instant like oh fuck kind of response because I feel like I've been having some somewhat shaky conversations with a few people in my life who I'm really close to along somewhat similar lines, and so there was an immediate like oh just in saying um, that he doesn't want to be writing buddies anymore and that's like such a key part of our relationship and it made me think about this kind of relationship anarchy stuff about like when people's relationships are based on kind of sex and romance there's there's this kind of implicit commitments to each other but you know what can feel quite shaky about having the relationship anarchy model where you don't prioritize those kind of relationships is that you know do we have the same kinds of commitments in other kinds of relationships and so there was a a, it was a real kind of instant like oh shit so I just sort of responded very briefly to just really hear you but not kind of get into my stuff because I thought I've got to sit with that for a bit before you know and then what I did was to kind of yeah I guess 
really trying to give myself permission to have those feels. Yeah. But then recognise that's not what's happening here. You know, there's no way Justin's like just like pulling out the rug on this whole relationship, you yeah. know, and in fact you'd actually said that in your email. Yeah. But what I wanted to do was to reply in a way that told you what was so important about the collaboration for me, yeah. whilst also saying absolutely I would never want to continue collaborating if this is hard for you like it's yeah. got to be joyful and fulfilling for both of us yeah so like both the, to to kind of value us equally again back to consent right you mm. know to try and value your feelings and my feelings equally rather than me saying i'm going to pretend i'm not feeling anything tough about this and just talk about you yeah or i'm going to try and make you feel what i'm feeling <laughs> instead yeah. you know it's like no let's hold both so yeah. that's what i try to do yeah yeah and it was uh incredibly useful um i needed a weekend of feeling miserable yeah and a bit kind of uh grieving uh like letting go the idea that you know, letting go that uh that of the book really a little bit yeah and um and then we uh arranged to meet in one of the cafes that we used to work in mm-hmm. where we weren't recording podcasts and we we're just writing yeah uh so we went to one of our favorite cafes and had really useful chats about it. Exactly. And I've, and what I said to you then was what had been really useful for me about the whole process was I could imagine what I would have been like, say, three years ago mm. had I worked with you and we'd gone through the same experience, which would have been even back at the point when the book was launching and we were having some different feelings about it. I think, yeah. you know, what I would have done was I would have not been able to handle that you were sad about something I'd have been involved with. I'd have felt responsible for mm. your emotional state. Yeah. And what I'd have actually done would be like passive aggressively, probably like tried to make you feel differently yeah. so I'd be constantly telling you why you should be optimistic about it really or yeah. you know and undermining your you know just not being able to stay with the fact that we felt differently not that I feel brilliant about it I feel pretty gutted as well but I guess having written a bunch of books most of them previously more academic books I'm used to books selling badly like yeah. they don't generally sell well so I've had this feeling <laughs> several times before perhaps and I'm a bit yeah. more inured to it you know um so although there's lots of reasons I'd love it to be doing better as well, I kind of didn't get quite the punch in the gut that you got. Yeah. But yeah, I, I felt like I was able to be with the fact that we had this sharedness in it of, of being gutted about it, but also that there was a difference in the level to which we were having those feelings or slightly yeah. different feelings. And, and like we could just be with the fact you felt, you know, again, just valuing each other equally rather than yeah. trying to put one person's stuff over the others. Yeah. And it just felt like gold, you know, because... Just to, for me to notice that I I can do that now rather than yeah. going into all of my old habits felt really great. I mean, the useful thing, I guess what we were doing as well is mm. kind of putting into practice some of the stuff that we've been yeah. working on. So, you know, like looking at the... I'm just thinking about um, in the relationship zine that we wrote uh, a while back, which I think is really... I think that's one of the, also one of the best things we've, we've written. Mm-hmm. Um, we were looking at our relationship patterns and thinking about the yeah. cat and dog. Yeah. And I think we're probably uh, both a bit more dog historically mm-hmm. and wanting to kind of pleasing others. Pleasing yeah. the others. Oh, love really me, love me, love me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and we've both kind of been working to be like a bit more cat like and a bit yeah. kind of more between cat and dog and not just walking away and avoiding a thing. Yeah. But just like. Lead, having that combination of leaning into a thing whilst also mm. being there for the other person mm. and so that was really useful but also we kind of talked about um, the different motivations for us working together and the yeah. things that we're getting out of it and what we want to get out of it Yeah. and so 
uh, that was our starting point and really hearing each other but I think like the most important thing to begin with that was that we just uh, allowed each other to feel the feelings yeah. and to get through you know to have a few days and not fighting that and yeah. just like this feels rubbish and then coming out of that yeah right like there wasn't again what I might have done before is like oh this is a major crisis the yeah. thing is I'd have made it a crisis for me too in yeah. the past as well it'd be like your crisis would then be my crisis because oh my god am I going to lose this relationship yeah. and so I'd have been pushing to meet sooner when you weren't ready you know but instead it was like okay you know for a start I can let myself feel my feelings and realize that no this loss that I'm feeling is not really what's happening here so yeah. it's all okay and then I could go like well nobody's bleeding and nothing's on fire so we don't actually have to do this right now yeah, that's, that was such a great phrase you got that from somebody Melina Williams oh. yeah I mean I don't know if it says originally but everyone should read Melina Williams because she's just awesome yeah. and watch her amazing video from the recent non-monogamous and contemporary intimacies um, conference which is online on YouTube um, but yeah that is just such a helpful I was like yeah no one's bleeding nothing's on fire yeah let's talk about this when we both feel ready yeah mm. so there was like it so uh, dear listener there was like it we're, we're having like a work existential crisis but mm. the whole thing lasted for about four days or five yeah. days and then it was like chill and we were able to be like okay this is manure we've actually grown something useful from it like yeah. so although we can still feel really shit about the book for me anyway I'm feeling pretty good about what I've learned in terms of how to do relationships and that this is a really good sign about that and another thing I said to you is I've learned a lot of that from you because I've noticed you do this with a lot of you know friendships and things that when they've gone through a bit of a rocky patch you've used this similar kind of structure whether intentionally or not and you know so I was able to put into practice what I've seen you doing which felt also really lovely (laughs) (laughs) wow um so yeah we're going to continue working together we're going to do the yeah. podcasts mm-hmm. um that's our main priority because yeah. we enjoy those so we yeah. decided to to um do the things that are the most joyful first mm. and um and then uh see what goes from there and mm. we might talk about that in the future or something yeah but um i guess there's a if so this is the so if you enjoy our work and like mm. like our stuff we'd be really grateful if you could um uh tell people about it one of the challenges when you write about sex and i've certainly found this over a bish is that people mm. don't like sharing stuff about sex yes and people because people think that people worry about what their followers on social media would think about them sharing mm. a thing about sex because of that idea you were saying that once you hit adulthood that's it you're meant you're to meant have all to, of this worked out yeah and it's and still sex that's, education is just for kids and it's still that's like taboo you know if you if you're reading about sex does that mean that you're not so good at it or something yeah. yeah so maybe that's why it's so many sex therapists and sex educators who are kind of picking up on it and not yeah. like beyond that. that that kind of makes sense I guess yeah, yeah I think so they're the only ones who feel confident to share it because it doesn't mean that for them because yeah. that's their career it's professional yeah, Got yeah, it. yeah so yeah we'd love it if people would um you know share our stuff um and and take that risk you know yeah um but I mean, I think it made me think again about this wider issue of like, do we do we big up other people enough? You know, yeah. when we really love their stuff, and it's something I've been trying to do this year. I read, well, I read three books that really sort of staggered me about how good they were this year, which was Sarah Ahmed's Living a Feminist Life, uh, Rennie Edo Lodge's Why I No Longer Talk to White People mm. About Race, and C.N. Lester's Trans Like Me. Yeah, and I guess what I really have tried to do with those is to write reviews um, on Goodreads, Amazon, 
retweets them constantly yeah. you know talk about how great those books are reference them and the stuff that I'm writing because yeah. those those three books have just informed my thinking around you know intersectionality um, and gender and sex like big time yeah um, so so yeah I think maybe it's useful to think for people to think about yeah, how they can kind of get into my, more again mutual and reciprocal relationships yeah. around really good work you yeah. know I think mm. the people that we that certainly the people I surround myself with do kind of do that well that's because all our, our reviews are all from your mates and your mum aren't well they? that's right yeah. <laughs> my mum reviewed it yeah such a nice review actually shout out to my friends come on pull your socks up <laughs> there's one of mine and four of yours at the moment I think yeah yeah uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um yeah so uh, on Amazon that yeah is. that on Amazon yeah. um, so um, but uh, yeah so we'll continue to do that in our stuff I think we flag mm. up other people's stuff in our podcast but we'll continue to do that um, yeah as well and it's like that kind of um, sharing the love and talking about the, the kinds of books that are for some reason not mainstream at the moment mm. then hopefully one of us will go mainstream and then we'll be able to say you know tell everyone else about all these brilliant books yeah. that we should also be buying but, yeah 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 um, and could, like somebody compared us to Ruby Tando my mate kind of tweeted mm. Ruby Tando because they, they were complaining that they've got a, a cookery book that's on sale which is all about oh is that Ruby from food. the Great British Bake Off I believe so oh yeah, cool she's awesome celebrities are oh uh, Great British Bake Off is great well it used to be great and um, Ruby well, was great still good people say I know anyway. people say that yeah. I haven't tried um, the new one so um, <laughs> so uh, yeah she's uh, got this book which is all about like um, you know the love of food and how mm. amazing food is and it's competing against a load of books which are like don't eat these foods only yeah. eat pure foods or whatever it's called clean eating or yeah, something yeah. like that mm. and they're the ones that are leading sellers on oh, Amazon right? similar thing. the ones making people feel shit about doing a thing and not helping them to oh my gosh it it's so the same because that's what the sex advice market's like as well all exactly. the books that are telling you you know not to do things you enjoy and yeah. like how you have to God, why are we buying that crap? Why are exactly. we buying things that make us feel bad and not things that make us feel good? Exactly. Well, it's like the kind of it's like uh, the um, oh, there's a phrase that I always forget. This phrase that's in my head, mm. and it's a great phrase, but I always forget it. What it's kind like, of phrase? Is it's it? like a, it's like about it's about how people are more likely to buy into a thing when they realise that they. Oh no, I'll have to edit this out. <laughs> well, it makes me think about self-help as a whole, you yeah. know, which I've written about a lot, how the industry is built on making us feel bad about stuff. But I guess what it sells us is this idea that we could fix ourselves. So we love that myth that there is something, yeah, we're lacking and there's something wrong with us because we all feel like that. So it's telling us something that seems to resonate. And it's telling us if you just buy this book, you can fix it. Whereas what our books are saying, or my books are saying, and particularly our book on sex is saying, is there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. And you can't fix it. It's yeah. not an easy fix. So we're doing the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. What they're doing is nagging. They are, they're nagging everybody. It's like a pickup artist yeah. trying to neg people. So yeah. it's saying to a person how absolutely terrible they are. Yeah. And how they're wearing, you know, that belt looks awful. Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're shoes are terrible yes but you know would you like to go on a date because I'm you know I'll fix all of this and make you feel that's better that's it then I'm here for that's you that's it self help industry negs people yeah and it fucking works yeah 
and that's a shame because yeah. you know it's exactly the wrong the thing is it won't do even what it promises to do no. because there's nothing wrong with you and you don't need fixing but there's something wrong with the world around you yeah. and if you understand that then you can tune into yourself better and have a better time of it yeah mm. exactly so uh, buy Ruby Tando's book yeah and um, <laughs> Ruby for the win yeah what's up Nigel Slater really like his books are we, we going to say which cookery books we like I like Hugh Fernley Whittling oh, Whittling yeah. Whittling yeah. Uh, I love I love Whittling <laughs> yeah <laughs> I like the guy who does River Cottage <laughs> yeah River Cottage guy. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like Simon Hopkinson I like mm. him a lot he introduced he introduced me to Negronis right uh, but we are just naming white guys now so let's go back to Ruby and how Ruby. awesome she is yeah. by that book <laughs> yeah yeah the Negronis though oh man Negronis are good yeah mm. um so um yeah so that's uh, is there anything more to say about no this? but I'm really appreciative because when you said like let's do a podcast of the moan I felt a bit like uncomfortable of like oh you know should we be saying how we're really feeling about this book and now I'm like this was this was great you know I think it's like how we were transparent with each other we're trying to be transparent with the people who like our stuff instead of like pretending like oh we're just super happy with everything yeah you know like yeah let's let's stay with the feelings what whatever they are instead of pretending to be having different feelings because that's what we're supposed to do yeah definitely mm. we're not we're not going to come on the podcast and, and go hey you know our, our book's selling brilliantly enjoy yeah. sex I don't know if you want to mm. uh, it's like it, we just have to be real about it mm. and um, we think it's an absolutely brilliant book I mean I know we've written it mm. but so we say that but yeah but we are really proud of it right yeah. and it's taken a long time in both our careers to get to this point where we can put something like that out there and it is you know I think the fact we've written together means that we can big it up a bit more than we might yeah. something we did on our own because I you know I can see how genius your stuff in the book is and you can see our genius my stuff yeah. in the end like actually we forget whose idea what was and stuff so <laughs> we definitely do do that yeah um, hmm. so uh, do buy it if you like it and yeah. tell people about it but also uh, if you could tell people about our podcast and other people's great podcasts yeah uh, my favourite recent podcast is Disability After Dark by Andrew Gerzo. Uh, mm. I might refer to him in our next week's episode as great, well. Great, I need to listen to uh, that one. Yeah, it's really, really good. Mm. Um, and uh, cool. So that's it. So until next time. Oh, should we do all the social media <laughs> we stuff? We usually end up with we the social media. Well, we're on Twitter at Meg John Justin. Justin yeah. On Facebook. Meg John Justin. Meg John Justin. I'm so uh, crap at remembering Soundcloud.com forward slash forward slash Meg John Justin. And then our website I do know is megjohnandjustin.com. Yeah, uh, where you can see everything. Uh, yes. All our zines and Link stuff. to all of it. Cool. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Bye. Bye.